Welcome to the No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast with Shredded Ed, Cardio Johnny, Paul C, Matt Mork Super Troll, and Brazil Hadley. The best infotainment show around where you'll hear us joke, banter, and debunk all the nutritional myths you've heard time and time again, helping you get fit, healthy, and shredded. Well, welcome to the No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast, episode 19. 20. Great, 20? Oh, I knew it. I got it right last week as well, didn't I? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's Um Cool. Right. Well, we have a super special guest, um, Steve Hall. Say hello. Thank you very much for having me. I feel, yeah, super special now. <laughs> you are. You are. Um, I, big thank you for me personally, actually, because um, obviously we were chatting just before the call, but I followed you probably since, I'm going to guess, when did you do your first prep? 14, 2014? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I followed you pretty much since then. I think Mike oh, wow. Sam shared something. And... Um, I think because it was like your, I don't know, the week leading up to your your competition then or something. And again, like I say, I think it really intrigued me. So I've followed you for a long time. So I feel like I know you quite well, um, even though we never met. <laughs> no, it feels strange to have never met, but it feels like we have. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So um, I, I just thought I really want to get you on the podcast because like the the quality of the content you put out is is outrageous, really, for people like myself and obviously a lot of the people that we work with but um i think there's loads of stuff that you're going to have which kind of like people that are listening are going to really really enjoy and you kind of become i don't know you're probably going to hate me saying this but maybe like the king of the mini cuts (laughs) because there was a stage where you're just going through mini or not going through mini cuts but obviously a lot of content was based around mini cuts yeah so i thought that and kind of um mini cuts or diet breaks would be like a a kind of because they kind of go together almost i know they Invest, but they kind of go together to a certain extent um really could be a cool co- topic to cover yeah no, so, sounds um, really cool just so for the listeners then so for those that maybe i mean obviously there'll be a lot of people that have heard of you but for those that haven't maybe just a quick intro to kind of who you are what you do and what you're about cool um well first of all i want to say thank you so much for letting me come on your show um it's a pleasure and i i mean i I love podcasts i think we all do especially people in in the industry themselves love them and it's a good way for you know we all all want to get those steps in get that expenditure in. so it's a great uh, great thing and i'm glad you guys are doing it um and i'm glad there's another podcast that's kind of i don't know more gen pop because obviously there's tons that are similar to mine that go really into the depth so yeah and thank you for following me for so long it's awesome like i i the years just like go by way too fast, but mm. uh, without kind of going too into a rabbit hole down that way, I guess I'm Steve Hall. Um, I own Revive Stronger. Um, Revivestronger.com is kind of the website. I have podcast. I'd say I'm kind of a online coach is my income. That's what I do. And then I'm a content provider. So try and produce lots of value. Like you said, I, I, I'm glad that you get a lot of value from what I yeah. do and I'm sure and I hope a lot of other people do. So over on Instagram, trying to provide value there, Facebook with the podcast. And then we have lots of blogs um, and old articles. Haven't really been on those so much of late. Um, Podcast kind of took over. And I mostly focus on people kind of wanting to potentially compete in bodybuilding, powerlifting in future. Um, that's a lot of our population who are very interested in those two sports. They might be competitors, they might not be, um, but that's definitely where they want to go. And eventually we want to mostly focus on physique athletes um, and that be our prime kind of coaching um, population. And I yeah, head up Revive Stronger with Pascal Floor, 
um, who is also the other coach there. So um, a bit of background about me without going too far. I've always been into a kind of sport, love it. Um, it isn't something that I went down when I went to university. I did geography of business, completely unrelated. And it was whilst at university that I found my passion or at least kind of, yeah, something hit me. It was quite literally hit me um, in that I got hit by a van whilst I was on kind of a typical 10 kilometer run. So I used to be quite into my running um, and just general fitness stuff. And it sounds pretty horrific. Um, and it was in many ways. And the great thing is, and that's where Revive Stronger, the name comes from, I revived stronger. So I've come right out of it. Um, it was like 2010 or something now, it was years ago. Um, and yeah, I, I love how adaptable the human body is. And it made me respect that aspect so much because I did recover from it um, and then have been able to get into the better, better shape year after year. And I want to help other people do that as well, because I was so lost and confused at that time um, coming out of hospital when I was in such a bad state that I then went into the science. And I know you guys are no nonsense nutrition. So that's what you guys are all about. So, yeah, that's a bit of background about me what I do and uh yeah hopefully we can help some people out today yeah definitely definitely no I am um, yeah I mean I've heard you talk obviously about your um accident I suppose is the way to describe it I guess um before and I think it's yeah it, it I, the, the, obviously the name says it all doesn't it obviously you can say come back stronger um it's a big thing to come in fact you know I just I, probably, I don't know if you mind me mentioning this but listening to one of the recent one of your podcasts where um you took your polygraph before oh, yeah. the last show. Um, really heartwarming, actually, mate. Honestly, it's just like... Oh, really? Yeah, because... Yeah, I mean, I, I know you're a good guy because I say I've, not, I've followed you for so long, but um, and I, you don't want to go into the rabbit hole of all the stuff why, but I just thought it was a really cool thing to mention because I thought, like, stuff like that and the insight that you bring in that, just it's just kind of stuff that I would never get to see because I've not competed. It's really cool to hear it and kind of see what other people will go through. So, Ed, I don't, did they, I take it, they did they polygraph you for in the, because I don't know what federation you even, no, I or, did UKB, <clears throat> I did UKBFF, so anything goes. Okay. Um, yeah, hence me <laughs> looking about a third of the size of most of the guys. Uh-huh. <laughs> and that was in physique as well. I was literally, even in the juniors, so I was 23 when I competed. And even in the juniors, the lads were like 18 and twice my size. Um, and you just look and think like that's not back knee that's uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's not the you know coming out of puberty um yeah so no I didn't I didn't have to go for any of that um yeah I think if, if I compete again I might look at more of a, a natural federation um just because I'm not going to get anywhere near that size in my lifetime <laughs> so yeah let's just start eating those Mexican burgers yes yeah yeah maybe <laughs> um, uh, no cool um no, thank you, mate. Appreciate, obviously, the insight in it all. Um, so, as I say, really want to touch on, I suppose, the, the main thing was really diet, um, diet breaks. But, like I say, I'd be interested just to kind of go into the mini-cut bit at some point as well. Um, yeah. So, diet breaks and refeeds, really. So, I, if you can just maybe outline for the people that don't know what a diet break is um, or what a refeed is and maybe what the difference is. Okay, cool. Um, so, I really like to talk about Refeeds probably first because I see them, they're very, very similar in many ways, um, but provide different benefits. So a refeed essentially, for me anyway, is a period of one to three days of eating at maintenance calories or slightly above potentially. And the purpose thereby being to 
kind of try and relieve some of the diet fatigue that you've built up over time whilst you're dieting. So you're not, it's kind of days not dieting, um, if you want to put it in a simple term. And most people try and kind of keep their fats and protein where they are normally, and then just bring about the extra calories from carbohydrates. Um, and that's because short-term carbohydrates have the biggest impact on things like leptin levels, so hunger hormones and things like that. So they're going to have the biggest impact on that. And then also on glycogen levels, so what fuels our training. So a refeed is kind of like, uh, you could view it like a car journey and like just topping up on a little bit of fuel so you can keep going with your diet. Um, recently, I actually had Lar McDonald do an excellent podcast and go into tons of depth on this, which if your listeners are well into that, they can go and listen to mm. that, that whole episode because yeah, yeah. he goes, Lar McDonald's the man when it comes to refeeds. Um, but in very simple terms, that's what they provide. Um, there are other benefits within there, but that's the, the their short-term benefits, which I think I should clarify as well. So if you refeed for like three days, it's not like it just heals you and you can just keep dieting then for a long, long time. It kind of, the length of that refeed is kind of the length of time that they give you a break from the diet for the following days. That's what it seems to be. Um, yeah. They don't seem to have any long-lasting effects. I think and then I... Sorry, just to jump. I think a lot of the listeners will probably know a refeed as like a cheat meal. So a lot of people like okay. have a, like a window, or this is what I this is kind of what I see is yeah. oh when when are we having a cheat meal or how many cheat meals do I get a week? It's like just you're setting yourself up for a fall straight away with that, aren't you? Um, so I think that's what a lot of people will kind of like um, understand a refeed as, but it's just in a lot more control, isn't it? Yeah, refeeds basically a, it's kind of like. I, yeah, it's kind of like a controlled cheat meal, I guess, or controlled cheat days. But I think, and I think it's good for general pop as well to, it's like we try and get away from good and bad foods. I think getting away from kind of, I mean, cheating on your diet, just, I, I always just think when is cheating ever good? And then I'm like, it's just, it's never a good thing. It's so, um, calling something, I think yeah. it's much better to call it a refeed. The trouble with that them is, is that they to have the maximal benefits they do need to be controlled um i mean days off dieting will have great psychological benefits which i didn't touch upon with the refeeds but yeah I, I, some people don't even do well with that aspect so refeeds because it does allow people to eat more they're then like oh that opens up a whole new world of foods now i'm they end up binging or extending it for too long so yeah there's there's pros and cons to all of these things yeah, I was going to touch on that. Sorry, just before we go on, just because cool. um, I think I've certainly seen people when you have a cheat meal. Um, I think what words that you just use just it opens up the the, the world or, or world of other foods, and it is so. I've seen people find it so difficult to kind of bring it back in or rein it back in after that because all of a sudden, you know, I've done it myself. A cheat meal turns into a cheat day to a cheat weekend. So all of a sudden, you're three weeks down the line, sat on your sofa eating Ben and Jerry's and. It's, obviously, like you say, if, if it's more controlled, you tend to find that actually people have that or better adherence to it because it's controlled. They've got, uh, they know where the boundaries are. It's kind of like, well, you're not, you don't need to step over it. You're not where, where it's just a cheat meal. There are no boundaries, and it just never ends. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Yeah, completely. I, I've seen, I've seen it myself, and throughout talking about my, I'm in contest prep now, and throughout it, I haven't had any refeeds. Um, because I find I'm one of those people that like, if I just know I've got these macros to hit every day, there's so much structure and control. And I feel so much better just knowing my consistency there than having this one day. And I'm like, 
I'll be thinking about it all week or two days. I'll be thinking about them all week. How can I plan? What carbs can I go to the supermarket and buy? And because now research is coming out showing that the benefit from them is short term, it's kind of like, ah, oh, maybe you can pick and choose whether you just go for that straight linear deficit or have these bump days. And for general pop, I think the bump kind of having that higher calorie refeed day can be really, really amazing. But like you said, it could be the absolute worst thing. Um, and I think it's empowering to know that both can work absolutely fine. Um, should I get into diet breaks? Or I was do you just, wanna... just going to add maybe like a really good kind of time to potentially use that is like, say, going out for dinner or something like that to keep the partners happy. I know I used that a lot when I was competing. I mean, this isn't just for people who want to get really shredded. This can be for like literally, you know, anybody really. Um, so say you've got something coming up and you could be like, okay, well, I'm going to have, you know, an extra 300 calories on that day to allow me to go out and enjoy some food with, with the partner. Um, you know, obviously if that's in a controlled controlled manner and you've tracked it or you've recorded it and taken it into account so yeah yeah I think that's the hardest thing with dieting to be honest is there's because everything's your own you're doing it to yourself so you're making yourself kind of it's like forced starvation and you're controlling all of that and I I mean for myself I can deal with hunger I can deal with this but missing out on social occasions and like if your girlfriend wants to go out for dinner and like it's been a month and you're like, no, I'm on this diet, it just it builds up to a point where it becomes so stressful that actually, yeah, having that break where you can go and be a normal person is so nice. Um, so, I, yeah, I kind of I think sometimes I use the term like days not dieting because often those days become higher fat. And then it's just like, well, it's just a day not dieting. That's not going to you might not get all of the huge the, the benefits from the glycogen yeah. leptin and all of that say, but it's, yeah. still, it's still a psychological benefit yeah it might be worth just kind of highlighting that just in case the listeners missed it but in terms of kind of the reason you're picking carbohydrates in these refeeds are because of you know the hunger hormones fact that you can refill glycogen stores which is then not going to do if you're picking higher fat foods which to be honest comes down to the problem with cheat days again almost it just yeah. comes full circle you know you cheat day you don't go cheat on rice and broccoli and you know, you cheat on donuts and pizza and all high fat and high carb food. So yeah. ice cream, you know, that's the problem you have. No, it's, I think that's, I think so many people will feel that as well. And that's, I guess that's why when people look at refeeds, there's always like the go-to foods. And it's like, oh, sorbet or like, um, what's it called? Uh, frozen yogurt. So like tasty foods, but are lower fat because yeah, as if you are kind of very much looking to get those physiological benefits you do need to keep that fat under control because fat as a role like it's basically like you guys will know it's just stored as fat for the most part yeah. that's what happens to it there was a there was one of martin mcdonald's posts that kind of went massively viral um recently around de novo lipogenesis so um obviously for people who don't know it's converting non-carbohydrate substrates to uh um to fat no no okay if i can even get it right converting carbohydrates to fat um so basically he said it almost never happens and obviously everyone's going mad saying that's crazy of course it does like what happens if i eat five thousand calories if it's all like coca-cola like sugar sweetened coca-cola um you tell me i'm not going to get fat and he's obviously you know it's taken to the extreme that example but basically highlighted the fact that well what generally happens is you don't store those carbohydrates you tend to then store all the dietary fat you eat for the point you just made because it's already fat, you know, the molecules don't have to change. Um, and then your body just doesn't like converting carbohydrates to 
to fat because it's just an energy expensive process. So um, yeah, it's just just to point again why you really want to be looking at foods that have a very low fat, fat content. Because even oats, you know, if you're if you're carbon yeah. up on oats, oats have a fairly decent um, fat content. So it's kind of quite easy to think oh, I'd eat a load of oats and that'll be fine. But all of a sudden, you know, you eat I don't know how what they like ten percent fat or something like that. I think oats a bit of a guess. Um, that's quite a lot when you if you kind of eat a reasonable amount of it. So yeah. I know we'll probably go into more detail maybe than a lot of the listeners maybe don't necessarily need, but I think it might be worth highlighting. So, um, so refeeds, I guess we've decided or we, well, we've, we've shown that it's short term, um, diet breaks then. So I guess yeah. by nature it's a bit more long term then. So what are the benefits of it? Or what is a diet break and what are the benefits of that? So a diet break, there's different ways of approaching a diet break, but I think it's like similar to like, the cheat meal versus the refeed again you can be more structured or you can be more relaxed so some people take a diet break as like a week off kind of dieting and that shouldn't again just i mean it depends on the person you have to know yourself if you're one of those people it's like right you're on a diet break just eat like your usual kind of good diet foods and then just have a bit of what you may be fancy and kind of eat to satiation above that there'll be some people that'll be like oh that's actually fine and there'll be some people that will just stick to their diet and they'll be scared to eat enough and then there'd be people that will just be like, I'm on a diet break. I, that means anything goes. Um, so I like, again, to have some form of structure there. And basically, it's an ex- the way I see it is an extended refeed. The great thing is, however, is like I, I kind of do this with my clients and halfway through the and, and it's, it's a minute detail. But I kind of tell them the first few days, try and go like your refeed higher carb. But then the rest of the time, you can just hit protein and calories because it's a short-term kind of once you're full of glycogen once you've had that short-term response it's then just calories that dictate kind of all of these other diet fatigue factors Um, and that's why uh, diet breaks are really good because the actual long-term effects seem to be longer whether or not a week gives you kind of two weeks or three weeks of kind of lower diet fatigue kind of better control of your hunger hormones better energy levels is kind of not known it hasn't been researched but they do seem to have a more powerful effect. It's kind of like, it's like we've already talked about when you're going on a long car journey and then you refuel. If you refuel for longer, you're going to get more fuel to keep going for longer. Um, and the question is, is this kind of longer stopover giving you more benefit than frequent stop, like frequent smaller ones? Um, so yeah, diet break is, I see it very much as like an extended refeed. Um, and that is as simple as it gets. And I, I kind of view them as one week generally, but they can be kind of up to a month, you might call it. Um, but I see them as a week to four weeks. But I kind of see four weeks as like a period of maintenance rather than an actual just diet break because that's a long break. <laughs> I suppose it depends on how far you've come, how far you've got to go. And you know, yes. if, if somebody's got to lose 10 stone, then a month off's kind of neither here or there because that's a couple of year process, isn't it? So whereas if somebody just wants to like get shredded for holiday or something, then yeah, a week's probably going to be, you know, enough. Um, kind of on that then. So when would you take one? Um, yeah. And how often? I cool. No, no, yeah, so really good point actually and that fits really well with the analogy of the car journey it's like if you got to go from your house to the supermarket like maybe a mini cup like we might be talking about do you need any extra fuel no you can just go there 
But if you're trying to travel from the UK to America, you're pro well, not America, let's say Australia, because if this actually happens, you need a stopover. And that might be your diet break where you have to, like the actual plane has to refuel. It's just like if you're trying to lose a lot of weight, you're going to need to refuel uh, for a longer period of time because, yeah, the body adapts is basically what we're talking about is as you go into a calorie deficit, the body almost off, I forget what the exact time period is, but it's only a few days and everything start, like it starts adapting to the diet already. It knows you're in a diet after a few days. Um, so the longer you keep doing that, the harder and harder it adapts. And this is probably related to, and I don't know if you've talked about it with your listeners, like set points and settling points, just like body fat zones that your body likes to be at. So if you've been like a, a fat person a lot of your life, then your body's very happy at keeping that state. And as you get further and further away from it, it gets less and less happy. But if you've been a leaner individual your whole life, then being lean is kind of comfortable for it. Um, and then you kind of have these periods of maintenance to try and bring this down, kind of edge your way there, like the long journey, kind of you have a period of time to let things settle, refuel so you can mm. keep going. Um, so in terms of when to have one, I think it's kind of like a bit like a deload in your training. If you've talked about deloads in which kind of volume and intensity, you could basically have an easier week of training. So you can then refuel, re-energize and go for more hard training. I kind of view it very much that you should have some sort of plan. So you should plan a deload, but not necessarily have to, you don't have to take it. Look at how you're doing. How's your performance in the gym? And if you're doing really well and like everything's going kind of more the merrier and your recovery is great, you're not that sore, then brilliant. You might be able to extend your training for another week and take that deload a bit further down the line. It's the same with kind of a diet break. Um, if your diet's going super duper well, but you've planned a diet break like next week, but you don't feel like you need it at all, then potentially you can push it a bit further back. Um, I'd always say though that it's better to take the break and like the deload, it's better to have taken that than not take it and then cause like a stall or mm. cause a binge or an injury in the deload example. Um, so I like to see diet breaks of kind of every, potentially every four weeks to every 12 weeks. Um, I like to see a break from it. And it depends on the person, it depends how much fat they're trying to lose, how much weight they have lost, how successful they've been through that time. But even if they've been, say, it's someone who they've been going 12 weeks, they haven't lost as much weight as you'd want them to or that they wanted to, but they've been pretty inconsistent throughout. You might think at, on a physiological level, they've still got plenty of fat to lose. They ha they've had maybe they went out and like partied and they had loads of maintenance days and they just didn't stick to the plan. You might be thinking we can just push them. We don't need to take this break. But I sometimes like to just take it anyway, because then it kind of teaches them a lesson of. If you're not controlled in this time, then like you're not going to get what you want. So, and sometimes it's a, a matter of they are under stressors, and the reason they've been faltering from their diet is because they actually just need this break to settle. Mm -hmm. um, and once they have that, that can keep them going for longer. Uh, but yeah, very much depends on kind of a person's starting point where they want to go. Um, but anywhere from like every fourth week uh, every like fifth week to every kind of 13th week somewhere along those lines I think is a good time to kind of drop one in do you find that you're having to say with like your clients who are particularly trying to get lean and stuff like that so it might be kind of resembled to somebody who 
just want to get shredded to go on holiday or something. Um, the, the leaner they get, do you find you have to take more diet breaks more regularly um, compared to somebody, say, who's got a lot more body fat? Yeah, I think it, that makes complete sense um, because, yeah, fat is it's basically a stored fuel source for your body. So you've got all the – it's like a, a, a car with, like, extra barrels of fuel – on board so it can keep going and then if it needs a top up it can use that extra fuel that it's gone on board whereas someone leaner is like i don't know a ferrari or something trying to tra travel somewhere and so it needs uh, a top up more frequently um it's the same when you're dieting people know like you get tired more easily you probably need to take deloads more frequently the same goes for kind of those diet breaks you need to refuel more frequently um yeah definitely just just while we're on that so in terms of and it is a nutrition podcast but with one of the listener questions we have was around your exercise or training plan. Oh so, yeah. So as in if you're dieting or say, say you're dieting and you suddenly decide, right, you know, I am feeling the fatigue from dieting. Um, I want to take a diet break. What would you do with your training? So mm -hmm. kind of what would be the optimal or ideal solution? So yeah, sorry, I forgot. I, obviously, no nutrition podcast, and I bring in deloads and everything. No, no, and people no. Are like, what? I, I was going to ask this actually. I was going to ask this, so I'm glad it came up. <laughs> awesome. Um, so I actually really, what I I um, have stolen this term from Mike Isratel. It's, I think it's called nutraceutical concordance. Um, basically, I I like to say it's like harmonizing your nutrition with your training. So they should kind of go together. They should be synergistic. So if you're doing one thing with nutrition, that probably means you should do something with your training. Um, and so when someone's taking a deload or sorry, yeah, you said, wait, when someone's taking a diet break, that's when they are trying to refuel, they're trying to recover. And I find that's a perfect time to align it with a deload because that's the same thing. That the goal is the same. They're trying yeah. to kind of recover and kind of replenish glycogen. It, what and this ties in quite nicely with a sort of a kind of second part of that question anyway in that what if the individual is maybe someone that has lost a, a great deal of weight maybe have that kind of uh phobia to gaining more fat it kind of feels counterintuitive for someone like that how, how do you deal with that or how do you tell someone to deal with that um i guess it's it's definitely one of those times where you have to have a longer term view of things um, and you have to develop their trust over time, but it is really hard. And again, do, actually getting them to understand what you're trying to do. You're trying to recover, you're trying to refuel, you're trying to feel better physi physically and psychologically. Um, and it is very difficult because the chances are, and you don't know, Like I, I've coached enough people through deloads and diet breaks. You don't know whether their weight's gonna go up, their weight's gonna go down. Um, but I always say, like, expect it to go up. This is why, because we're restoring glycogen with that water. Um, but stress levels, sometimes, like, they come down greatly sometimes. So the person sees a whoosh. Yeah. So you can never really know. What you just have to be sure to, to explain to them is we have this long-term plan. This fits within our plan. This is actually a requirement to get to our goal. It's something we need to do. It's kind of like, like the car journey analogy. If you don't actually fuel up you're going to crash and burn or you're just going to stall and you're not going to be able to keep going so this is setting us up for future results and hopefully you've kind of got them with buy-ins you've already lost a good deal of weight and then they have this break but it can be really psychologically tough for a lot of people um i think it's even from a bodybuilder's perspective like with training to take a deload when you're so like wanting to hit it hard and 
I'm sure there's listeners here who love hitting their training hard and deloads suck. Um, but they're kind of a requirement to the process is kind of you have to pay your debts. Yeah, I guess it's yeah. the one step back, two steps forward kind of approach. And exactly. I suppose in saying that, it's kind of like, well, you know, you might go into a deload, your activity might be less. Therefore, you might actually put yourself in a, in a calorie surplus, even if you play maintenance, because you're obviously your expenditure is less because you're, you're training less, albeit it's not going to be you know any great extent some people just have to accept that that's what they're required to do to produce those fatigue levels and as i say rest up and move on yeah i mean it, i have heard people say that you could just take the deload because that's a reduction in training volume and then just keep calories level through that week often i find that's not that provides virtually no psychological break because mm. food actually doesn't come up and i don't think the number of calories you burn through exercise are enough to get rid of that deficit unless they've been in a tiny deficit um, mm. if they've been in like a 200 calorie deficit then probably it is but yeah. you're not if you've been in a 500 to a thousand calorie deficit which some people might be you're going to need some extra food that week yeah we've touched on that on a couple of the previous episodes where people grossly overestimate the amount of calorie expenditure during a weight training session or even cardio often sometimes or yeah. you know, under like group classes it's, you know, you say, oh yeah, I just done a thousand calories doing you know like legs. You, you probably haven't, unless you're like you know Jordan Peters or someone. Or <laughs> even then, I'm not sure. Marathon workouts. Um, just kind of going back to refeeds, and kind of, it kind of links in with uh, the training thing that we've just been talking about. Would you schedule your refeeds around, say? a particular leg session or uh, especially I suppose it depends on whether you're taking a one or like two or three day refeed and I think maybe 12 months ago the tw- the like 24 hour refeeds I think they were kind of all the rage but now I know especially like the 3DMJ guys they're kind of pushing these two and three day refeeds even four days I think I've sort of heard them say about um I think obviously you can't really do that. Okay, I'm going to have a refeed day on or before the day before a leg, a big leg day to you know fuel that workout. Um, so how can, how would you approach that, and when would you say to clients, okay, take it on this day or, or or what have you? So yeah, no, it's a good question, and I mean when they are extended over multiple days, it almost becomes a, a non-issue because you're going to be nice and glycogen full, and you'll be fueling training for that rest of the week. If it was like a single day, I do think it's wise to do it. It depends when you're training. If you're training kind of in that evening, then potentially doing it that day and making sure to have a decent hit of them before that session so they can actually assimilate and be stored and use them, then that's great. But if you're training kind of in the morning, then it's probably good the day prior to have kind of the refeed so you can, again, assimilate and store them because it's like a mixed meal takes five hours to digest. So the refeed you're having today is probably going to affect training further down the line, not the training today. And often people people actually feel lethargic on their kind of refeeds because it's kind of a lot of food and they're not used to it and the body's not used to it. So it actually gets like tired from all the digestion. So sometimes it can even be nice. Take the refeed on a rest day. Um, for most people, it becomes a preference thing. So when in your week makes sense for you to have a refeed, a lot of people like having it over the weekend gives them that flexibility for a physique athlete, potentially you want to start arranging it so it kind of maybe has uh, similarities to a peak week that you might be planning. Um, I know that's not kind of your type of audience, but there might be some people thinking about that and it, it can give some data that could be useful. Um, but for the most part, I think preference is the way to go. Like adherence is the absolute king for nutrition. So if it can keep them going, 
um, rather than making them have to do it on a certain day because it's going to have this benefit. It's better just to kind of have it that's going to make you stick to your diet. Yeah, yeah. with the physique thing, I always think kind of it's a good idea to sort of do them almost like the day before a check-in so you can have like a mini sort of fill-up and see how people are looking. Oh, yeah. Yeah, especially later sort of down the line. I know for myself, uh, I used it on a Saturday because I played hockey on a Saturday um, and sort of having plenty of cars before my match, it, it helped a lot. <laughs> um, I wasn't like a zombie on the pitch. But, um, yeah, that just goes to show that everybody's completely different and it's different for when everybody takes them, definitely. Um yeah, have we got any more questions kind of directly related? Yeah, to kind of, well, not not necessarily directly related, but one um, I think Jack Jackson, one of our guys, uh, asked was around. It's more around having a diet break from a bulking period, so it's kind of right. flipped it around slightly. So, is it something that you recommend for people? I know you've talked before um, around I don't know P ratios, partition ratios, and on your podcast, which. Is quite a cool thing. So um, maybe just explain kind of if you'd recommend it. Yeah. And if so, kind of why? Cool. No, yeah, definitely. And I think it's a really interesting thing to think because people like <laughs> to think of the perma bulk. Um, like it is something that is real. You do want to take time away from bulking. It's funny because actually kind of bulking and trying to gain muscle is a stress for the body. Um, it does produce stress. And so it, the body does like it adapts to fat loss um, it adapts to muscle growth and it kind of gets a bit less responsive over time and that's a consequence of your training and your nutrition from a nutritional perspective as you're bulking we're assuming you're kind of gaining weight and with that comes fat and then that impacts your partitioning ratio which you touched on which is kind of the ratio of what where do things get partitioned more so to fat or more so to muscle and the less lean we get, the more gets partitioned to fat and the less that gets partitioned to muscle. Um, and that is also related to kind of insulin sensitivity. The less insulin sensitive we are, generally it's because we're a bit fatter. So kind of when you're insulin sensitive, that's a good thing because that means kind of the nutrients are going to go where you want them to. Uh, when we come insensitive to them, to it, it's not so good. So yeah, as we're going through our massing phase or bulking phase and we're gaining accumulating fat tissue, um, the amount that's going towards muscle is kind of getting less and less and less. And there becomes a point at which you have to decide, right, is actually a good time to take a break from this um, kind of, in a sense, allow these gains to settle and then assess whether I need to kind of cut down or whether it was just like a lot of bloating from all the food and all the carbs, let that water weight settle and then, yeah, assess the physique. Do I want to do maybe a mini cut or do I want to go into a cutting phase or am I still in that good ballpark range where I am lean enough to still benefit from further calories? Um, but yeah, it's, it, it's a really interesting thing. How long, so you kind of said about that sort of settling period, which I, I really like the idea of that. That's a really cool idea because most people say, oh, we're just going to do a drastic four-week mini-cut because we've got to, you know, too far down the line or whatever. Um, how long would you do that kind of settling phase for? So I think it's it's nice to align it with your training. So I like to drop it in as like a strength mesocycle. So that would be like four weeks, like a month long because um, I think – a lot of people don't realize how long a lot of things take and there's like delayed effects from things. So just like we know with fat loss, sometimes the scale doesn't respond and then you suddenly see a whoosh. I think the same is true with like gaining muscle. I think you put in a lot of work 
back here, but sometimes the actual muscle growth doesn't occur till further down the line. And so I think it's good for kind of security for yourself to take a, a period of a month to just let everything settle. It's actually a good amount of time to let that water weight settle, to let everything settle down before then moving forward. Mm. Nice. Yeah, I like that. Um, yeah. You kind of almost answered one of our questions. I don't know if you saw it on, on the Facebook thread that I put up, and that's why you sort of mentioned it, about the insulin and insulin sensitivity. Um, oh, so yeah, basically, we had a question saying, would you take a uh, like a mini cut period of four to six weeks or something like that to sort of reset insulin sensitivity, allow you to be uh, more sensitive to it? Um, kind of, what's your thoughts around that? And also, um, if somebody's potentially not really putting the, their weight up too high, they're not increasing their calories so much into a surplus, so they're not really gaining the fat. Do you believe that? you can become more uh, res- insulin resistant even though you're not gaining body fat. Does that, I hope that makes sense. So the first part definitely makes good sense. The second part I'm not too um, okay. sure about. Yeah, We hit the first part. Um, so, you know, I think mini, that's, a, like, that's initially why I think mini cups became popular. So I think it was the first time I heard about them was from 3DMJ. I think they got it from Lane Norton. Um, and now it's transformed into like everyone's talking about mini cuts. Um, and the reason they first came about was to kind of uh, get keep you going, um, keep you lean so you can keep going and keep massing and benefiting from that. And when we reduce calories um, and when we lose body fat, both of those are causing us to be more sensitive to nutrition when it comes back in. Um, the body, like whenever you come out of a cut, and if you have a refeed, you'll know this, the body just absorbs everything. It's like you get great pumps, you just feel really good. So if you can kind of use mini cuts to kind of extend your phase of massing, I think that's a brilliant tool. And that's almost the, the prime way I use them with the guys I'm working with, because you can lose a lot of fat in a short period of time. Um, and that's a great thing because gaining muscles takes bloody ages. So yeah. you need, if this sort of can keep you on track, then it's a really good tool to drop in now and then. And I just worry that some people end up kind of using them almost almost too frequently or they extend them for too long. They're the two main things I have concerns with mini cuts. Um, yeah. Okay, cool. So how uh, I don't know what sort of research you've seen on this and with kind of the insulin sensitivity thing. Obviously, you cut down, things become, your body becomes a lot more sensitive to everything, as you've said. Mm-hmm. Um how long do you think, if you know, uh, does the body take to become sort of more sensitive to things like insulin and stuff like that? Yeah, it's, I mean, I, it's past my knowledge of terms of insulin, but I know, <laughs> <That's fair enough. laughs> no, in terms of, I, I'd always say a minimum of two weeks to mini cut. Cause I think if, if you do a week, really what you're doing, you're kind of just depleting glycogen and then you're going to refill glycogen. You're not really kind of necessarily going to burn tons of fat in that time. However, I know kind of very extreme fat loss, fat loss approaches can see some fat loss during like really short windows, um, like rapid fat loss by Lyle McDonald. I know you can run that for a very short period of time, but it's super aggressive um, and see some fat loss there. And I think that would probably help. Um, but I think it's probably good to have at least two weeks trying to run a mini cut. I think anything less than that, you're kind of just, yeah, shuttling things around. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, I, I think the the second part of your question, if I've understood it right, Ed, I think was around 
people obviously uh, in a long-term bulk potentially getting to a point where they feel they've put on too much fat and feel like they may be insulin resistant and therefore right. is it a good time because and i guess the whole point of worrying about being insulin resistant is the whole partitioning ratio stuff yeah. around obviously nutrients going into the right places um is that right is that kind of how it's yeah that's, yeah that, that, that was be the worry that was yeah part of it and then i was kind of going into if do you think it's possible to become insulin resistant even though say you're maintaining weight and uh, okay, not yeah. gaining yeah so Thing like what, what what has been discussed before around if you're just eating a shed load of carbohydrates but not necessarily okay. in a calorie surplus, therefore you're not putting on weight, can you become insulin resistant just because you're eating a shed load of cal- uh, carbohydrates which you know are insulinogenic? I think actually, I mean, I don't know, um, but my thoughts are if you're maintaining, then you're obviously using all of these carbohydrates. And so I would have thought that's not such a problem for mm-hmm. someone who's very active to be on high carbs. Um, I wouldn't have thought that would be a problem, assuming they're active and using them, which if they are, if they're maintaining. Yeah, I think I've heard before um, that it's like saying exercise wears out your lungs. Just because you exercise and breathe a lot, your lungs are going to wear out. <laughs> and that, that always sounds like a good analogy. If that makes sense. I've got, I've got another question, actually. What came first, the analogies from you or the analogies from Dr. Mike? Could you both love an analogy? <laughs> oh, I think I, I have to give him credit. I'm not sure, but I would. he's older than me as well, so they <coughs> come from him first. I'm big um, so. Yeah, it, it's funny. I find analogies, I, I think I did get them from him, and he might have even got them from Broderick Chavez, who who've been has been on my podcast. Mm. Um, they just make things a lot simpler, um, and that's why I've started using them. And it makes it really easy for clients, I find. Yeah, yeah, yeah I do like using them with clients. It's like when we're on the phone or something. I really like your car one, actually. That's really cool. I'm definitely going to steal that. Oh, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was going to just say as well, actually, um, both Broderick and Mike are hilarious to listen to. So um, we'll put all the – obviously, we're not at the end of the podcast yet, but when we uh, when we do, we'll put all the – or give you a chance to shout your stuff and put all the stuff in the show notes because I think people should go listen because oh, – um, awesome. Yeah, and I, I listen to him one half speed quite often, and Dr. Mike's oh, yeah. half speed is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's a bit of a side tangent. Um, I think we've covered most stuff on it. I guess the only thing we haven't necessarily did we cover so much around uh, mini cuts in terms of, I mean, you said about how long you do them for. Um, I guess just maybe around the, the frequency or how often. I don't know if we really covered that, but. Mm-hmm. Brett Brett needs help with this because he's like you have a perma bulk he's like perma mini cut. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I did a few too many in one go probably for about five years and uh, <laughs> it's not led to the, uh, the the most fruitful of gains. Let's say I get a little bit of banter from these boys about it, <laughs> but no, oh, it, it it happens all the time. I see it with my own clients. They always because the the great thing with mini cuts is well. The, the analogy from uh, Alberto is like it's a bank robbery. You're in and out. And if you just think about the, like a bank robbery, you're getting in there, you're getting a load of money and you're coming out. They like, they pay off like they do because yeah. you see results really quick because you are getting rapid fat loss and you're getting lean quickly. Um, and then when you go into a bulk, uh, loads of people struggle with the initial just like bloating from the water and the carbohydrates and they get kind of their abs kind of disappear. But it's the thing is, the mini cut within the first week, they're already like, "Oh, I look way leaner than I thought I was going to be," because that water just shifts. Um, I think like water retention really just blows people's minds sometimes. 
Um, but I think a good ratio in general for thinking about cutting to bulking is like a four to one. Um, I think that works quite well for a lot of people just because generally if you're thinking about rough speeds muscle takes like four times the amount of time that fat can be lost Mm -hmm. um or yeah fat can be lost four times as fast if you think Mm -hmm. a pound uh, over a month versus a pound over a week kind of that works quite well um but i don't think there's necessarily a hard and fast rule of how long it can be because i think if you're someone who's looking to is look like you've got quite a bit of weight to lose but you still want to go through massing phases, you still want to build muscle, you can kind of do like maybe two months massing, uh, a month mini cut, two months massing, a month mini cut. And in those masses, you're gaining less weight. And in the mini cut, you're gaining, uh, losing more weight. So maybe Mm -hmm. you lose six pounds in the mini cut and you're only gaining two pounds every mass. So that's four versus six and you're losing two pounds every while and you're bringing down body fat levels whilst gaining muscle. Um, Kind of an interesting way to attack body recomposition oh, that's a good idea cool Ed, have you got any more questions mate um okay slightly less mini cut refeed related um anybody who follows you on instagram sees you with the big headphones uh what are you listening to are the big headphones wait oh, so that's one sorry yeah yeah you oh yeah sorry yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's actually um so yeah on the yeah instagram every morning at least i always have those headphones in um actually i love the airpods they're brilliant i don't know why i haven't got them in now i never use them for podcasts for some reason um yeah i listen to podcasts i literally um that's always what i'm basically listening to um is podcasts so um, my phone's full of them and just the more knowledge you can get i just crave it so i'm virtually always listening to podcasts or some random music <laughs> I, I'm not particularly fussy with my music as long as it's like a beat and drum and bass and it can get me going I'm like yeah that's cool <laughs> fair enough <laughs> shall we get on to the famous five let's do it famous four famous four right okay so for every guest we ask four questions not necessarily health or fitness related nice um so uh although I'm gonna embargo one answer from the first question for you straight away because i know what you're probably going to say but um <laughs> what is your favorite flexible food so i.e not clean flexible and don't say pizza oh god i was gonna say pizza immediately and then pizza. i was i i kind of struggle with this word in fact like non-clean because i'm like everyone knows what clean is but um yeah, I struggle with it because obviously we all are like flexible yeah, yeah. dieters. So, um, oh, outside of pizza, I probably have to go cookies or donuts. Really like both. <laughs> okay. Any specifics? Oh, you're a fan of Domino's cookies, right? Aren't you? I've seen that. Oh, man. Domino's cookies. Oh, don't remind me. I haven't eaten one of those in like six months. <laughs> probably not the greatest uh, uh, peak week. No. Nutrition either. <laughs> um donuts brand of donut i actually i I think i just want a donut because i haven't eaten one in so long my girlfriend doesn't eat donuts like she's not fussed so we only really like i i I feel weird buying a bag of donuts and then being like i can't eat like a donut every day for like six days oh they're gonna go off i'm gonna have to eat two and i'm like yeah yeah. i I had that that problem last week i went to oh actually when you're in town go to crosstown donuts oh yes there's one at uh, Spitalfields. I don't know what would be closest one to you, but when it's next Maybe year, Kings in, Cross. I don't. Yeah, know. There's, but I think there is what there is one around there somewhere. I think. Um, 
But yeah, incredible. I bought a half dozen, which to be fair, the most expensive donuts I've ever bought, like 17 quid. I was like, wow. Um, but I brought I brought half a dozen home. There's only me and Jenna here. And I was like, oh, what am I going to do now? So I ended up having one, one one day and like four the next or three the next. Oh, yeah. Try and fit those in your macros. <laughs> it's like Ben's cookies. People rave about Ben's cookies. I don't know if you've had those. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're ridiculously expensive. I'm just like, M&S cookies are better. <laughs> yeah, 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 and like half the price. And... Um, the best burger joint you've ever visited? Ooh, um, I really like Honest Burgers. Okay. They're good. They're a London-based chain. Yeah. Um, they're, yeah. they're pretty good. I have to be honest, I'm not a big burger eater. I struggle with it. I'm a, probably a bit too much of a... I'm a bit too anal with my macros. I'm like, the fat man, they're just so high. Like, yeah. dude, we've got a uh, Five Guys now in Clapham North that opened the other day, and I'm just like, I don't need go. to. Don't oh, go. is it not don't good? Go. Ah, there's just an ongoing, yeah, this is where it's laughing. Ongoing debate and battle around my hatred for Five Guys. <laughs> <laughs> so, which you'll have seen from my Instagram, I do like the odd burger or two. Oh, yeah. And, um, yeah, just people going about, oh, yeah, five is so awesome. It's just so bang average and overpriced for, for what it is. So just don't do it. If you're going to go anywhere, go to um, Bleecker Street. It's just opened a new one up, actually, in London. Incredible. But you'll hate it because they're, like, so fatty. Uh, but they are they're literally the, the best, like, the, the best of the best. So uh, I'm glad you didn't say five guys, anyway, at least, because <laughs> I think we asked Sophie, and she went, oh, I want to go to five guys. Oh, I can't uh, believe it. And she lives oh, in Manchester I've never, as well, and there's so many good know, places been, in Manchester. So. <laughs> uh, it's, it's basically a glorified McDonald's. Um, it's better than McDonald's, I'm not going to lie, but it's, you know, it's like 13 quid or something for a meal again. So... That and Shake Shack, yeah. I've heard. American yeah. chains. Yeah. yeah. Shake, I've not been either. To be fair, Shake Shack's all right. It's not too bad. But again, it's, it still is what it is. So, um, This this one could be health fitness related if you want. I think most people have ended up giving health and um, fitness type of answer. If you don't want it to be, don't feel it has to be. So the best piece of advice you've ever been given. Yeah, I know it's quite the question, but... Ooh. Yeah. Um, I'm going to be really strange that this is coming to my mind and not be, and it, it's not health and fitness related. So my dad, whenever he used to say like good night um, before bed, he'd say, I think his the, the exact quote is, and I love myself. So, um, and this is going to sound really soppy and sentimental, but I think you should love yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I actually think that's good advice. I think having like self love is what what terminology what terminology are you using here, mate? Just it <laughs> might it might sound slightly odd to the listeners. Talking <laughs> about self love and loving yourself. Self love before bed, yeah. I'm sure a lot of people get on that. <laughs> I, hope the, I hope the door was closed at least. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like uh, you know what I mean. Like um, accept yourself for who you are and um, embrace being who like you and actually when I think about that advice and when I have accepted myself for who I am and like I like this I don't like this like people don't fit like don't care what other people think be you I think that that's where I was trying to go um yeah yeah I mean self-love's good too (laughs) (laughs) oh no I was gonna no in all seriousness um I, it's really good advice and I think it just it kind of brings a thought into my head around like for someone being previously overweight um as a teen like quite quite a lot overweight um 
you're always dreaming of having that ideal perfect physique and it's like it's not until you kind of go through the journey of trying to get there you realize you're just never going to get there yeah. so what's the point in striving for that in physique because you're not going to be happy until you realize you need to accept how you are and be happy with like at the point you're making that be happy with who you'll be because yeah. as i say no like i think even the, the the people that i know that have got the best physiques are still so very unsure and unhappy with themselves even with the best physiques um which is crazy because from outside in you look at them and think they must have it all yeah. all down because you know look look at them they look awesome but you know in their head it's just like they're still questioning every little thing about them and that's you know it's saddening to see but yeah yeah i think that's an awesome piece of advice Final question, and you might need to pay attention to this one because it can, oh, get a bit messy. can get a bit messy. Um, so would you rather be attacked by one horse-sized duck or 100 duck-sized horses? <laughs> yeah, I've, 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 I've spoken <laughs> about this one before. I always think um, the the duck-sized horses, is that right? Yeah. What, the, so the, li- the little horses, yeah. yeah. Just kick them all. <laughs> just absolutely Everyone just says kick. that. I don't know why everyone uses the word kick or boot as well. I, think it's so cruel. I know they're angry horses and they're attacking you, but still. <laughs> I still always go for the uh, the one large duck because I just figure, and I say every time, just chuck it so it can't swallow and surely it'll die. Like I always use the like peanut butter <laughs> on a loaf of bread. Like if it, it, it can't eat it, it's, I don't know. Oh dear. Well. <laughs> yeah yeah uh no just um, a genuine a big thank you for coming on uh loads of really good useful content there i think for people um do you want to shout out your socials um anything you want to promote so obviously i know you've got the podcast and stuff but are you taking on new clients at the moment i think um, you- yeah actually um, first of all thank you guys for the fun chat and for having me on and um yeah i mean we actually do i have some uh, openings for clients at the moment and Actually, I mean, if there are any competitors looking for a coach for next season who are thinking of competing, this is the this is when I am looking to get people in early so we can actually plan out like all those things I talked about, like diet breaks, the refeeds, yeah. the nutraceutical concordance, um, all of that fun stuff. We can get that outlined now. So, yeah, that is happening. And if someone wants to kind of reach out to me, they can find me on Facebook, Steve Hall, um, and they can find all our social media at Revive Stronger on any kind of format that's what we're under revive stronger and the website's revivestronger.com and if people i mean i can only highly recommend the podcast if you are interested in getting into like yeah, real definitely. depth of this sort of stuff because the guests i have on i'm honored to have some of the, the brightest minds in the industry so yeah head over there and yeah again thank you guys it's really cool to come on no it's been really cool having you and i'd second the podcast in that just even to listen to broderick and mike rant yeah you know, it's, it's hilarious so um no um also don't forget your group because obviously if people are really interested in the in in bodybuilding and powerlifting they should definitely go join your because you've got a free facebook group haven't you? oh yeah yeah people can come and join us over there so i think that's if they search revivestronger.com on facebook it'll probably come up i think it's just called revivestronger.com now cool well big thank you again mate and um hopefully catch up soon awesome yeah definitely we have to go grab uh, not a five, five guys, guys. No, not <laughs> five guys. no no definitely not a donut. <laughs> <laughs> a donut ed press the button cheers mate thank you cheers thanks for listening to the no nonsense nutrition podcast we'll speak to you all next week